respond to God's word. Why don't we pray? Father, thank you for this, your word in our hands that we're listening to, that guides us, that gives us ballast. And we pray that as I teach, as we all listen, myself included, that you would teach us to be humble before it and listening to what it says. Use me, speak through me, your servant, as I speak words from you. And Father, we pray for all of us in this together. In Jesus' name, amen. We're very used to being individuals. Well, that's obvious, isn't it? Individuals who have independent lives. Even though we love the connections of family and friends and community, remember Christmas? We love that most of the time. But where does the, the church fit in? Where do our relationships with the church as individual Christians, how does that all work? Well, having looked a little bit about what the Bible's description of the church is, we saw that the Bible describes what God is building. First Peter chapter 2, and we looked a few weeks ago that it's a new community of people built on the cornerstone of Christ. Living stones, remember that image, living stones together, along with other living stones, sharing a new calling to be God's own people. And last time we read in Ephesians that maturing Christian churches should not only have sound biblical teaching, that's important, but they should have responsive people, obedient people, so captivated by Christ's rescue that we love and serve and move across the aisles of the bus to talk to and encourage and serve one another. That's what churches in a maturing way will look like. But the question we're asking today is quite simple. How will I live as a Christian within this church? How will I live as a Christian within this church? Now, some people have answered that question a little bit like this, and I told this story before. There was a delegate at a Christian conference, and they were asked, what church do you belong to? And this person simply said, I am a Christian at large. At large? What did, what did they mean? Well, at large means in general or as a whole. And you might have heard sometimes we describe criminals as being at large. They're on the loose. And so for this person at that conference, their description was, well, I'm a Christian at large. I'm, I'm free. I'm not further defined or caught up with any local gathering of Christians. I'm at large. But this can't be the biblical way to live as a Christian, can it? from what we've seen. So I want you to ask, how will I live as a Christian? Where does the church fit in? Well, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see that, biblically speaking, the church is central. And we're going to look briefly at some of what the Bible teaches on the church, and that'll culminate in Paul's description of it in the middle of Ephesians 3 that Sylvia read for us. So that's where we're going. We're going to think of some biblical passages of what the Bible teaches about the church, and then we're going to culminate in the middle of Ephesians 3. How will I live as a Christian? Well, firstly, here's the first thing. By realizing the privilege of belonging to the church. That's the first thing. By realizing the privilege of belonging to the church. 
You know, so many people around us, and you probably have a handful of people that you could name in your mind right now, they feel isolated and they crave a sense of belonging to something. And yet for Christians, we not only have a personal salvation by God's grace through Jesus Christ, that's true if you're a Christian, but we belong to a very, very precious community. I want you to think back to when Jesus was with his disciples, and Peter was starting to finally get it and realize who Jesus was. And he said something like this. He said, you are the Christ. And when Jesus replied to him in Matthew's gospel, he mentioned, Jesus mentioned, one of only two times uh, this mention of the church. This is what Jesus said. This is Matthew 16, verse 18. Jesus said, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Jesus was talking about a church that he would build. He was referring to every believer in every time and place. Jesus said, I will build my church, and theologians call this the church universal. And isn't it extraordinary when you think about it? Think about the dimensions of this. Every person who genuinely comes to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, is the Christ, everyone who follows him as Lord and Savior will take their place in belonging to that church universal established by Christ. Isn't that extraordinary? No matter when they lived or where they lived, if you believe in Jesus, you take your place in the church universal. Now, two chapters later in Matthew 18, Jesus made a second and and the only other reference that he made to the church And this is what he said. This is Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17. Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And then listen to this. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Interesting when Jesus said, tell it to the church. So in the context of teaching his followers how to deal with conflict among themselves, Jesus speaks about the church. Now this time he's obviously referring not to the church universal, but to a local group. You can't broadcast this to every Christian in time and and place. But he's saying, tell this local church, tell this local group, and they'll help you with this conflict. So as Christians, think about what we're thinking about. This kind of belonging is truly amazing. And the way the Bible describes it, we need to think of it as a privilege. We're on the one hand given exclusive access, if you like, to a universal body of people who stand to inherit eternal life, the church universal. And then on the other hand, we have full access to local communities to teach and encourage us to love and support as we live the Christian life. Isn't that extraordinary? And I think that's exactly what Peter was trying to convey in that passage we looked at a couple of weeks ago to those Christians in exile. And Elevate, you're looking at this passage or this whole book, this letter of 1 Peter, this term. But Peter was trying to convey, and he said this in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. He said, but you, Christians are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. 
that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. How will I live as a Christian? By recognizing the sheer privilege of belonging, belonging to the church, and grasping the vision that Peter and the other biblical authors were trying to get across. It's so tragic, isn't it, when local churches go sour or hurt or split or do something contrary to the Bible because this is not how it was meant to be. No, because the church is called out by God. We saw that in 1 Peter, called out to worship him and then sent out to witness for him. A marvelous thing the church is. And I know we have negative images of the church because of abuses and things that have happened and humans being humans and awful hurts perpetrated perpetrated by leadership and people within churches and broken relationships. But it's still there, the church, in that vision of Almighty God. You know, hearing this biblical reminder is a call to every one of us to reflect on that understanding of the church, no matter how tarnished it has been. Let's reflect on the church at the start of this year. Have you ever realized the enormity and wonder, and with that coming the responsibility of being part of churches, local churches, part of that universal church? That's the belonging we have. This is the church you're part of if you're a Christian. Now, if you aren't a Christian, you might be thinking, wow, I never thought it was like that. You've maybe seen some dimension to this group, universal, local, God's own possession. What a language of belonging. But if you're not a Christian, well, I'm inviting you today to listen and accept Christ as Lord and Savior yourself. Give up living for yourself. Come and have that belonging with us. Acknowledge Christ as Lord. Don't live on your own. And if you are a Christian, Allow this fresh understanding change the way you think and act towards the people in this local church. We really aren't Christians at large, are we? We're Christians at church, called out to worship, sent out to serve. So how will I live as a Christian? Well, realizing this privilege of belonging. Now, secondly here, here's the second thing. How will I live as a Christian? Well, recognizing that Christians being part of local churches is central to the New Testament. Now, so if you flick through the New Testament in your mind, and you can do this as we, as we talk about it now, we'll look at a few things. But very practically, the New Testament books aren't general broadcasts to individual Christians. They're not written to Christians at large. They are mostly letters, these books, written to local churches. Now, that's obvious, you'll say. They're encouragements, they're reminders, instructions, teaching, all to groups of local Christians, like in places like Ephesus or Corinth or Rome or Philippi. And remember we just mentioned Matthew 18 when Jesus said, um, tell it to the church in this conflict situation? Well, the implication of that, if you think about it, is that you could know who was part of the local church. Like, how do you tell it to a group if you don't know who they are? So there was a belonging that was recognized by people. There's a membership. It's implied, the local church. 
you could know who was in and who was out. And as Christianity spread and the rest of these New Testament letters were written, groups of Christians were assembling and meeting together as local churches. And even if there wasn't yet formalized membership structures or a membership role, there was belonging. There was a common sense of who was in and who was out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul tells the church at Corinth, he tells them this in these really sobering verses, 1 Corinthians 5, 12, and 13, he says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church you are to judge? God judges those outside, purge the evil person from among you. And Paul couldn't write that if you because you, you know, if, if they were Christians at large, just a general group, because you can't expel someone who doesn't belong in the first place. Now, in John's letters, this language of belonging is also clear. And if you look in, in 1 John 2, he describes this, and it's an amazing passage. Listen for the repeated word. John writes, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would not have continued, or they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. 1 John 2, 19, us. So there was a sense of belonging. There's an implication that Christians belonged to local churches. And what that means, and here's what we're trying to think through, what that general bent of the whole New Testament towards local churches, gathered groups of people, is that it's extremely hard Maybe it's even impossible to fully apply what the Bible's teaching without being committed members of local churches. It's interesting, isn't it? It's going to be extremely hard, if not impossible, to fully apply what the Bible's teaching without being committed members of local churches, because that's the way it's written. Otherwise, you sort of have to distill it and take those commands apart from how they were given in context. No, the local church is the central focus of the New Testament. Membership of local churches is all the time implied. And so the teaching we get from the Bible isn't, and you know the way you hear the Bible, it's an instruction manual. I think that's absolutely right. It's an instruction manual for Christians, but not for individual Christians, but for Christians as constituent members, if you like, of local churches. Let's recognize that central focus of the New Testament because it really will help you and me live the Christian life. This is going to help me. This isn't to make me feel, oh, that's another club to belong to, another set of obligations. No, that's not why it's meant, and that's not what God gave it for. You see, this rescues us from a kind of individualism that seeped in mostly in the West but in other places. And it also rescues us from isolation. We might otherwise feel as Christians in a world that's increasingly hostile to Christians. You see the wonder of this when we see the New Testament as it was written like this. And as you read the Bible, let me encourage you this week, listen to how it teaches us as part of local churches and how it urges us time and time and time again to live out that corporate community together, even, if, even as those who have a personal saving faith in Christ. How am I going to live as a Christian? By realizing the privilege of belonging, and secondly, by recognizing that Christians 
being part of local churches. That's central to the New Testament. And then thirdly, here's where we're headed. Seeing that the church is central to God's plans. Now, if you have Ephesians 3 open, you'll see that Paul is sketching a remarkable picture halfway through this letter to the Ephesians. If you'd read earlier, you'll see that he had reminded them of how God in his grace, chapter 2, had brought them from death to life, given them life when they were dead in their sins and transgressions. And then Paul described the work that he'd been given to do by God. And let's pick things up in verse 7 here. Have a look at it from chapter 3 where Sylvia read. Ephesians 3, verse 7. Of this gospel, Paul writes, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. God gave Paul two things. First, he revealed this mystery, and you can look back in chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 and 6, that mystery that in Christ people can be reconciled to God and to each other. And then secondly, in this passage, Paul explains that God had given him work to do. God gave him verse 7, a ministry, the ministry of sharing the gospel. He says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. And now as a result, look where this is building. As a result of Paul's ministry, sharing the good news of Christ, shining an amazing light for everyone to see, something else explodes onto the scene of history. Did you miss it? Well, look at verse 10. Here's what's exploded onto the pages of history. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The church. Paul sees the incredible good news that God has given. He shares it. And then the people who get it and start to see it and understand it and see the light of it, they're reconciled to God they're reconciled to each other horizontally. So you have a vertical sorting out. You have a horizontal sorting out, Jews and Gentiles. And then suddenly there it is, a new witness, a new construction, if you like, emerges out of that revelation, the church. Just look at verse 10. Camp on it for just a moment. The church is radiating out. And what's coming out of it? The manifold or the many varied colors, the manifold wisdom of God, not just among the people of the earth, but in heavenly places. And all of this, verse 11, have a look now to verse 11. According to the eternal purpose that God has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So if we merely see ourselves as Christians at large, we've just missed something extraordinary. If we just about give in to the need for some kind of church involvement or attendance or even membership, if we just think, oh yeah, I'll join up the church, we may not have fully seen 
the biblical picture. The church is central. You'll have heard of John Stott, and he wrote this when he was commenting on this first half of Ephesians 3. He said, the major lesson taught by this first half of Ephesians 3 is the biblical centrality of the church. That's the big lesson, the biblical centrality of the church. And then he says this, John Stott pushes it even further. He says, if the church is central to God's purpose, as seen in both history and the gospel, it must surely also be central to our lives. How can we push to the circumference, he writes, what God has placed right at the center? He's right, isn't he? And whatever our experience, how can we decide that the church is circumference if for God it's central? That's the church. That's the belonging it gives us, both universal and local dimensions. So, so special. That's the church that's central in how the New Testament itself teaches us to live as Christians. And as we're seeing now, it's central to God's eternal plans to demonstrate, to radiate God's many-colored wisdom to all people in every dimension, to the rulers, to the authorities, to the people, to the heavenly places, everywhere, God's wisdom radiating out. And even if we don't feel very impressive locally or very strong numerically, even if we have bad experiences in the past, even if we have unmet ex expectations regarding the church in the present, and those have kind of put us off. How will I live as a Christian? Well, here's where this is headed. How will I live as a Christian? By joining the local church. By putting our oar in here. And you know, it's certainly not perfect in Black Rock. That's for sure. But God is, by his grace and mercy, he's the one who's rescued us in Christ. That's what he's done. And then he's called us out to live for him to be a worshiping, serving community, not just for ourselves as Christians, not just for our own needs. And then we have this mission together, called out to worship, sent out to witness. That's the mission, to live and encourage and to share the gospel. Now, here's what I'd say to you if you're still young. Maybe you're under 18. You now think, oh, this is for me. I'm under 18. Well, why don't you plan to join the local church? when you get there. Why don't you plan as an adult to join the church? Now, you're still part of us while you're growing into that. And in the meantime, you could learn and take what Christ has done, learn from the rest of us who are imperfectly but trying to live as Christians in this amazing institution that God has established. So learn what it is and gather what it is to be part of that mission and to do life with each other. But plan to join the church. And if you are a member, of Black Rock. Well, why don't you allow this message to affirm that commitment and strengthen that resolve to serve the local church as you're already. Do more of investing your time and your money and your energy in the business of worshiping God and getting the gospel out. So if you're under 18, plan to join it. If you're a member, keep going, affirming that commitment. And if you're not yet committed to Black Rock or a member with us, would you prayerfully consider that today? And whether you're in Dublin for a semester or the foreseeable future, why don't you join the church? As I said, we're not perfect, 
But here's what that decision to join the church does. It holds something remarkable out to us. It, it holds out the, the possibility of an amazing spiritual opportunity. You see, once we join something like the church, formally committing ourselves, we set a trajectory in our life towards growth as a Christian personally and corporately in the way the New Testament models it. Now, in case you wondered, I don't get commission if you join the church. I'm not like Revolut. You know Revolut? If you join, you get 50 quid. If someone else, you're friends. I don't get that. But you know what? We all benefit when we join the church. You get the spiritual rootedness and accountability. You get that commitment of being with us locally in this mission, and that's tremendously powerful. And we're all strengthened by having your commitment with us. It's amazing, isn't it, when you have a group of people headed in the same direction, worshiping God together. And if you are considering it, I've produced some questions that accompany a series of talk that we gave here a couple of years ago in Black Rock. And those talks are all available as a little series called The Church. And that's the series that the young adults have been studying and looking at this weekend. And those are all available to listen back to. And then there are some discussion questions. I've left them on the desk um, as you leave. But why don't you pick up one of those and talk to me about what it is to be part of the local church. Thank you so much. For, for listening to that appeal, but also for, for your partnership, every single one of us in this work together of what God has started, what Christ is building, and what we get the privilege of being part of. Well, we're going to sing a response song that we often sing at the start, but I think it really fits if I ask the musicians to come forward. Um, the song says, Come, people of the risen King. And there's so much in this that's about joining our hearts, getting together, thinking about that corporate vision of the local church. Would you sing this prayerfully and consider that? And then we're going to finish with those amazing words of the amazing grace that we have in Jesus Christ. So would you stand as we sing, come people of the risen King, and we're going to finish with amazing grace. Let's sing together. <laughs>